Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. Equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. On this week's podcast, we are going to do something a bit different. From time to time on the podcast, we're going to interview a member of the Living Leadership team or one of our associates so that you can get to know us a bit more. And so on today's episode, we'll be interviewing Paul Coulter, who is Head of Ministry Operations. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for speaking to us on the first of our interviews on the podcast. It's going to be a really great chance for people to get to know us a bit better and for us to talk a bit more about some of the more personal things in ministry. So first of all, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes, thanks, Jess. Uh, My name's Paul Coulter. I live in a place called Lisburn over in Northern Ireland. So the accent does place me. I haven't left Northern Ireland. I'm still living over here. I live with my wife and two children who are 12 and 14, and my wife uh, works in elderly care medicine, but I work full-time with living leadership. So before we come on to talk a bit about ministry life and experience you've had, it would be really great for us to understand how you came to faith. So how old were you and what were the kind of circumstances around you coming to know the Lord? I think as to how old I was, probably you'll need to ask the Lord that, Jess. It's, it's, I'm quite sure, written in heaven, but uh, I don't have the date written down. So like many folks, certainly in my part of the world, I came from a Christian family and was very blessed to have parents who were strong believers and even grandparents who, who were believers. And they were very much shaping influences on my life. And because of that, I was introduced the church, Sunday school, all of the, the children's programs um, at a very young age. I do remember a number of occasions. There was one occasion in particular when I must have been around six or seven. Uh, and I was at a, a program for young people in another church that was a little bit bigger than the one that I was in. We were in quite a small church. And so we went to this on a Friday evening. And I have no idea what the speaker said. I have a kind of memory of who the speaker might have been but I've never asked that person whether it was them and whatever they shared really spoke to me in a fresh way and challenged me and I did come home that evening and told my mum about that and she prayed with me through a a prayer asking the Lord Jesus to forgive my sins and so on and I've no doubt that I meant that at the time but on the years after that I was kind of racked with a, a concern that um well, really my daily prayer, my bedtime prayer was, dear God, please forgive me for the sins I've committed today, or at least since the last time I asked you. Um, and it was never this sort of assurance of forgiveness or of salvation. And I think never really the assurance or experience of the grace of God, the love of God. That came later. And I remember that very distinctly on a mission team in Dublin. Standing, this sounds a bit crazy, but I was, hey, I was young. I was standing, must have been about 20 or thereabouts, um, and I was standing out in the rain, um, in fact, probably earlier than 20, maybe about 18, standing in the rain at night, giving thanks to God and just feeling like the rain that was washing over my face and my body was the 
was a kind of symbol of the grace of God that was pouring over me and, and having that affirmation that God's love for me was not dependent on my service for him, my commitment to him, what I could give back to him, but was unconditional. Uh, and that didn't lead me to a lesser appreciation for the truth of God. I had, from the age of, of 11, started to really study and read the Bible for myself. And I used to spend hours doing that. And, and that didn't diminish, but it was met, that, that appreciation for the truth of God's word was met with this experience of the love of God. And that, I think, was very transformative for my life and, and, and ever since then. That's really encouraging to hear. And so obviously you currently work at Living Leadership, but I know that you've had several other ministry roles and opportunities. I mean, you just talked about some mission there. And you started out in church ministry and more recently lecturing at Belfast Bible College. As you kind of look back over the years of your ministry and your ministry experience, are there any standout lessons that you've learned or things that you just wished you'd known about God or yourself a bit earlier in your journey of ministry? Um, yes, I mean, I think there are a couple of things. And, and of course, the other part of my experience, I didn't start working life in paid ministry. I started out as a doctor, studied medicine, worked as a doctor for a few years before I then moved into working with the Chinese church cross-culturally at home. But I think looking back, probably two things really strike me, Jess, as things that I had to learn the hard way. And one of those, perhaps the biggest one, was through suffering and enduring suffering. So I went through a, a an illness, really, a period of a very strange illness that I'll probably not go into the details of, but an illness that had a very profound impact on me emotionally, psychologically. I suppose just um, it, it was something that meant that I couldn't be certain when I was making plans that I would be able to fulfill those plans because it had episodes that hit suddenly, dramatically, and were incapacitating. And, and I'm thankful that I'm now cured from that. So it is historic. But it did mean that for someone like me, because I am, well, you work with me, Jess, you can correct this if, you're, <laughs> if I'm wrong, but I like to be organized. I, you know, I pay attention to detail, etc. But learning the humility of knowing that we can never trust in ourselves to that degree I think it was a really important lesson for me to learn. So it's a very difficult thing to sit here and say that I was glad of the suffering. And the suffering was really very intense at times, emotionally and, and physically. I, I'm not sure I can even say I'm thankful for that illness, but I am very thankful for what the Lord taught me through it. Um, a dependence on him, a, a knowledge, a realization of my limitations, an understanding that, that ministering out of weakness is always how we serve. It's always how we minister, whether we're aware of it or not. So I think that was incredibly important. The other thing I said, there were two, and this one I probably, at least I remember being told it much earlier on, um, and it, I'm still learning it. I'm still learning the other one as well but not to take myself too seriously. And I guess it ties in with the other one as well, um, in that because things are not ultimately dependent on me 
my skill, my attentiveness. And even the guarding of the Lord's honor is not dependent on me. Certainly the guarding of my reputation isn't dependent on me. I think we can get into that trap of working to guard our reputation and ending up um, getting so caught up in that. But, but even the guarding of what is right and true is not up to me. So I can be serious about my convictions and my commitments, but I don't have to take myself too seriously in that. So there could be a lightness in ministry and in service for God, which is simply enjoying the grace of God uh, and enjoying rest and enjoying our limitations, rejoicing in them, boasting in them, as the Apostle Paul would say, not trying to cover them up or pretend they're not there. Still learning. Yeah. Them. <laughs> As we all are. And from what you say there, I can see how maybe your career, as some might call it, has progressed into serving at Living Leadership. But I know from our discussions, you joined Living Leadership back in 2019. Whilst I guess in many ways, from what you've just said there, this is a continuation in how you've been serving in ministry. It's perhaps a different focus from some of the previous ministries you've been involved in, though, turning to co-labouring in gospel ministry and supporting leaders who are perhaps doing more of the frontline things, for want of a better description. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about what you see as the purpose of living leadership at this time and what motivates you to serve through living leadership in this season of your ministry life. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's interesting because looking back at the journey that I've been on, I think I, in some ways I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit of a fuzzy ball that picks up various different things as I go along, you know, and is, is carrying those with me. But um, I can see a line that the Lord has been tracing through all of that. So even in, in pastoral ministry, um, I was very, very committed at that stage to the idea of developing up others. Um, training others, equipping others, which I suppose is the heart of pastoral ministry, but it was very much um, on my heart even at that stage. Um, and a commitment to doing that in a in a way that serves other churches as well, in a way that is um, across the evangelical family, if you like. So that has been with me for a very long time. And similarly, teaching in a Bible college, which I was doing full time before this, and I still do some of that. So many of the other things I'm also an advisor to the Chinese church where I used to work. Um, and so, you know, I retain some of those things, but they have, I think, given me a range of experiences and insights and an understanding of what contribution I can make by God's grace that does really fit, I think, with what living leadership is about. And that really is about um, a, a generous, spirited service of churches and of church leaders within their concerns and for no other glory, no other sake other than the Lord's, other than Christ's, which is easy to say. And the challenge for us organizationally and, and as individuals working in the organization is to keep it that way, to actually live that out. But I have to say it is, I mean, it really is. And, and I find that even over the last two years coming into the organization and being very involved in a new phase of development and growth for the organization, that those values for us are absolutely central to what we do. So we rejoice, we are glad when others are thriving, when churches are blessed, because their leaders come away from a, an encounter with us, whether that's one-to-one -one 
with me or with one of our associates, whether it's in a group, whether it's in one of our conferences or programs, they come away captivated just afresh, another little glimpse of the Lord Jesus, um, a, a restoration of joy in him, an appreciation of his grace and his truth and a commitment to serve him. So that's that's what we exist for, whether we do that through support of leaders or our training courses, training opportunities and formation, as we call it, formation. All of that is really for the sake and the health of the church. So we don't ever want to work counter to what churches are, are about. We exist to serve them. And that fits very well with me. And I'm delighted to be part of it. Is there anything kind of looking ahead at what we've got coming up that particularly excites you? I don't know if there's a tangible thing or just something looking forward that is quite exciting. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think I think we we the the thing that excites me most, and Jess, you as a member of staff, the Living Leadership, get to interface a lot with our associates as well, and that probably is the bit that that. You know, if there's one thing that is a standout for me, it is a sense that we are building a network of people who work within the values that I've just tried to describe, a generous, uh, hearted, grace-filled, gospel-centered, Christ-focused ministry alongside churches and leaders. So we uh, already have a diverse bunch of people. Uh, We'd love that to become even more diverse around those shared um, values and beliefs, obviously our doctrinal basis and so on. But that is just a real blessing. Every time we meet with those people, serve with them, I learn something from them. I see God at work in their lives. I see the Lord's goodness in them. Um, I'm blessed and enriched by them. So that's one thing, just continuing to grow that and to deepen the relationships within that network and to see how those associates work both individually and together increasingly. Uh, The other thing that's coming up very, very soon, which I am quite excited about, but uh, it may be too late for folks to join that by the time they hear this, but there'll always be another year, is our pastoral care training course. Um, So clearly, having worked in a Bible college, having had a passion for training, and now wanting to bring some of that training into churches to make it accessible, uh, we're going to be delivering that online. Uh, I take a lead on that, although there are other people who teach on it as well. So it's not just my voice that people have to listen to. But I do get excited about that. I think I think there are great needs in the church for very good, biblically grounded, gospel-centered understandings of leadership and of pastoral care. So the training stuff really does excite me. That course starts this March, runs through June. Uh, But we're also planning towards a course for leadership teams in churches, which we're hoping we might start in the autumn of 2021, but uh, certainly will be starting at some point, which I think, again, meets a real need for for building up teams of leaders in churches. Uh, And so all of that is, for me, quite exciting. And I hope it's, it's useful to the church. Yeah, brilliant. And bringing up the associates, I too am always really encouraged when we get all of them on a call. And I think it's great to have that shared wisdom, shared experience, sharing tips and habits and patterns or rhythms that they've benefited from over the years. 
and many of them have got more experience than you or I have in serving and loving and following Jesus. And so kind of actually a neat segue into some of those practical things. As you know, obviously, at Living Leadership, we talk about supporting leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. And we know as we talk about a team and with the people we serve, that it can be really hard to do that sometimes for all sorts of internal and external reasons. And so what are some of the practical things that help you personally pursue Christ and faithfulness in service to him? Yeah. Um, again, big L plate on my chest, forehead, wherever an L plate goes on a person. I'm very much a learner, Jess, so I'm not going to claim to have um, all of that nailed. But I think I am learning. I think sometimes I'm a very slow learner and I very easily regress and go back, get put down a a class or two in in the Lord's school in these things. But I think the biggest thing for me, uh, the two biggest things really that that I've learned, one of them is is an attitude of heart, but that leads, I think, to a way of praying. And that is the confidence of the Lord's sovereignty. And I'll... I'll change that even to a word that I think is needs recaptured um, and, and used a lot more, which is providence, because sovereignty can sound like a cold thing. God is is sovereign. He's a king who is potentially uncaring and distant, distant from us. But providence means that God exercises his sovereignty to provide for his people. In other words, to for our good providentially working through it's the Romans 8 28 principle that God works all things together for good for those who love him who are called according to his purpose and the good in that verse being defined in the same passage as that we might be conformed to the likeness of his son that's the good it's much a it's a bigger good than all of the little goods that I think are in store for me you know, the, the nice dinner that I can look forward to or the holiday that I'm planning or the ministry opportunity that excites me. It's a much, much bigger understanding. It's a character transformation. So that priority of character, uh, that awareness that the Lord is sovereign, that he is providential, that he is working for our good and, and praying intentionally around that. Um, which means asking him to help me receive the hard things of life as opportunities. I'm not so concerned about whether I should be saying that he gave them to me or just allowed them to happen to me. That's too big a theological question for me, and I'm not sure we have a definitive answer to that all the time. But to learn actually to be steady and focused on that fact, because that releases me a huge amount from from any idolatry of the self, any thinking that I, uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, that it's dependent on me, on my gifts, on my skills, on my hard work, on the hours that I put in, on um, whatever it might be, knowing that the Lord is at work um, and entrusting my life, my time into his hands. So keeping that focus, but I'm not just saying that as a theoretical point, I mean to make that a daily prayer discipline 
to actually be be constantly remembering that. Uh, and then the second thing probably relates quite closely to that again. And this I have been a very slow learner in, but I'll offer it as do what I say, not what I have done, but hopefully what I will do, which is to be serious about the discipline of Sabbath and of rest. And it's only really, I think, perhaps only in the last couple of years. So um, alongside my work with Bible College and alongside my work with Living Leadership, I still and have done preached quite often for different churches. And those are churches generally that I've got a relationship with. They know me. I enjoy going to them. But there's all of the preparation. And of course, it's Sunday, um, often traveling. Nowadays, I record the video and send it to them, which is great. But normally traveling to be with them. And so it's easy, and this is true whether you're in church ministry or whether you're in my kind of work alongside the church, that we let those habits slip. And it's not simply the habit of saying, okay, there's a day in the week when I don't work, but to be much more intentional about making that a Sabbath. So Saturday is my Sabbath. I think biblically it is the Sabbath, isn't it? And that's not me saying we have to do it on a Saturday. I don't think we have to under the new covenant, but but I find that's the day when I can properly down tools. And that sometimes throws a problem because there can be a conference on a Saturday that I really want to go to. Maybe I need to do that and change to a different day, but actually as much as possible, keeping Saturdays clear and not allowing myself to feel guilty if I don't do anything productive on that Saturday. Um, there may be productive stuff that I need to do, DIY things, the working with my hands that allows me to switch off my brain, not too much, otherwise the DIY goes very wrong, but not the kind of brain work that I normally do, working with words and, and uh, ideas as opposed to working with things. So a different rhythm of doing that, but, but even just that some Saturdays, I don't want to say it's a lazy day because actually that reflects my wrong thinking that not being productive is laziness it isn't necessarily there's a non-productivity that is simply enjoying god's good gifts time uh, the the weather this is i live in ireland so you know but try to be thankful for whatever that is getting out for a walk scenery our little dog that we have in our house my children sorry this is very much the wrong order of things isn't it? i'm building up to the most important thing <laughs> and my wife of course and actually intentionally slowing down to savour that, all of which I think of as the discipline of Sabbath, although we might sort of disentangle different strands in there of um, slowing down, of savouring things, of enjoying God's good gifts. But I continue to learn that, but I strongly commend it to folks and urge you to make it your habit as well. Yeah, they are really helpful practices. I can definitely concur with some of those, particularly Sabbath. So that actually is coming to the end of our interview. But one thing um, we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing these interviews fairly regularly with members of the team and some of the wider team. And so I wanted to end these interviews kind of all of the same way. Now, I'm sure there are lots of encouragements that people can take away from our discussion today. But to finish up, in Philippians 4, verse 8, it says in the NIV version, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, maybe this is a lofty question to end with, but I'd really love it if just as we finish up our interview, if there is a verse, a thought or a meditation you've had historically in ministry that has been helpful or maybe just something you're thinking on now that you'd like to leave our listeners with so that they can go into this week, this season of ministry to encourage them in their life and ministry. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm turning in my Bible actually to a passage um, that has been on my heart. I think, Jess, you know this. I shared it in one of our staff team meetings. Um, just that is from Second Corinthians 5. Um, I have a life verse. I'm not sure that doesn't probably isn't as dramatic as it sounds. I'm not saying everybody should have a life verse. But the verse that a number of years ago, the Lord really impressed on my heart uh, as something that, that would stay with me and shape or should shape my life is Philippians again. So the same book that you were reading from, but chapter one, verse 21, that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in this passage in Second Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul is really expanding on that. He doesn't quote that same verse, but it's very much the same idea. Um, and let, let me just read those verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 10. It says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are found, when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made for us, made us for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And I hope that's encouraging, even just hearing those words, but that idea that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, I think is very much what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's saying that we've got this physical tent now, to use his image, that groans. Um, we were joking about this when, when I shared this in our staff meeting, Jess made the point that young people don't always quite kind of appreciate that. You know, when you get to advanced years, you, your body starts to creak um, and, uh, and you know that, that it's groaning. But the reality is these bodies are weak. They're frail. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we need to have Sabbath and rest, because, you know, our bodies weren't designed to be driven fast for seven days a week. It's just not how God made us. Um, it's part of our limitations, and within that is part of his good grace to us. 
that actually teaches us our need of him. If we had limitless strength and energy physically, then no doubt we would do limitless harm um, and, and damage. But that limitation, whilst it causes us to groan as part of a fallen world where things are not the way they were created to be, as Paul says back in chapter four, we're inwardly being renewed. There's a this opportunity for every day to be a day of renewing, a day of a fresh start, a day of more discovery. Uh, and the limitations, the, the things that press on us from outside don't don't ever limit that. I mean, the they current recording this, obviously, in the middle of a, or hopefully towards the end of a pandemic and all of the restrictions that come with that. There is a weariness. It's hard work. There's a slog that we trod on, don't we? And we feel the pressures from outside. But actually, our confidence, our hope is secure. We can be confident because we know that what matters is what is eternal. And so we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't yet see what is in store, the inheritance which is Christ's inheritance. It's he who inherits it, but he says to us, come on and join in. And we've got the spirit now as the deposit of that, the experience of God's love in our lives, his transforming power in us, his power to enable us in mission and in ministry. Um, and and so we, we can focus on the goal. We can look forward to the resurrection that is coming. This is real. This is an assurance, a promise. We're beginning, as we record this, to have the build up towards Easter. You know, this is not just a historic event that Jesus rose, but it's an assurance that we too will rise. And yet there's the reminder that then that means that everything that I do in this life, what really matters is not the recognition I get for it in this life. Let's not be like the Pharisees who kind of want to get that recognition now. And the Lord Jesus said, I mean, they've got their reward. They've got the reward they were looking for because people looked at them and said, look at how good they are. Those of us who've been in ministry for a while know that it's not always like that. <laughs> you might do your ministry publicly. You don't always get a lot of thanks. But what matters is the fact that the Lord knows, that he sees. Now, there's a challenge in that, isn't there, to ask, am I consistent with his calling? Am I worthy living in a way that is worthy of that? Do I really make it my effort to please him? As long as I'm alive, I will live for Christ, for me to live as Christ. That's a challenge. It's a rebuke to my heart. I'm sure it's a rebuke to all of our hearts, but it's also a great assurance to know that it isn't fame in this world. I think we're, we're seeing in the evangelical world, very, very sadly, some of the outworkings of celebrity culture, of you know, putting people on pedestals of looking to strong individuals. I hope that we learn those lessons and I hope that all of us have the courage to know what matters is the Lord's assessment. And so make it your goal. I want to make it my goal. And those of you who are listening, Jess, you too, you can keep me to account on that. And, and if you need help and encouragement in that, come to me or come to us in Living Leadership. But let's make it our goal to please him, not to be people pleasers, not to play to the crowd to please him, to have integrity in that um, and to keep on doing that even when we're discouraged, maybe even by some of those stories that are becoming high profile, that's deeply discouraging. But keep your focus on Jesus. 
because he will not disappoint. He will not discourage and make it your goal to please him. I hope that brings some encouragement to somebody at the moment. Brilliant. Yeah, that's definitely encouraging and some challenges to go away and think about. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast today. It's been um, really great to chat, for us to chat and for the listeners to just get an opportunity to get to know you and us a bit better. Just before we sign off, um, obviously people can come to Living Leadership, but just in case people would like to follow up with you directly or speak to you directly, are there any particular ways people can get into contact with you? Um, yes, yes, certainly very happy. I mean, if, if anyone fills in the contact form on the Living Leadership website, they'll that will be forwarded to me. But my own personal work address, if that's not a contradiction, is paul at livingleadership.org. If you're really interested, and I think there are better things to spend your time doing, but there is my personal website, Paul Coulter. .net, which tells you a little bit more about me and some of the things that I'm interested in. But yeah, I'm delighted to be contacted anyway. Uh, I am on Facebook and Twitter. They're not the best ways to get me because I'm seldom on them. But um, yeah, an email is probably the best way to get me. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode of the Living Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and listening along. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can visit us on our website, www.livingleadership.org, or you can find us on most social media platforms at Living Leaders. Wishing you a very wonderful week, and we look forward to welcoming you back to a future Living Leadership podcast episode. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving a review on your podcast app to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. You'll find us on any major social media platform at Living Leaders or visit our website, www.livingleadership.org, where you'll also find more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. God bless.